0: can really lead to complacency. And I suspect that that was at play in the Model situation.
1: Welcome to episode 39 of The Great Fail, a podcast that examines the greatest success stories and their spectacular fails, what led to the demise of the most prolific people, brands, and companies. I am your host, Deborah Chen, and this week we'll be looking at Model's sporting goods. February 21st, 2020, Mitchell Modell, CEO of the largest family-owned sporting goods retailer in the United States, was interviewed on Fox Business show, Mornings with Maria, where he made a shocking announcement. The owner of the 130-year-old brand went on national television and asked viewers to help save the company from financial collapse. In that interview, he laid out everything. Modell's overexpansion, hiring a restructuring firm to help salvage their mistakes, a report that leaked to the public and raised financial concerns from vendors and partners. And as a result, they were downgraded by credit agencies and suppliers who pulled merchandise from their shelves, making it much more difficult for the struggling company to recover. Uh, This is one of the worst days of my life he continued, fighting back his emotions as he spoke of the 24 stores that were just announced for shutdown. The reality of how dire the situation was became apparent in the last seconds of the interview. When asked how much money the company was looking for from investors, Modell gave his email address so that anyone with any amount of money could contact him directly. Welcome to the story of Model Sporting Goods. Founded in 1889 in downtown New York City, losing it all at the final buzzer in August of 2020. Growing up in New York, Modell's was one of the stables for back to school shopping. Starting from junior high school, when I would take the bus from my house to Flushing, where it would stop on Main Street literally in front of Modell's, as if the commute was designed to get me, preteen Deborah, safely and swiftly to Modell's. And then when you entered, inside it was like the Toys R Us of sports equipment, apparel, accessories, anything you needed for P.E. class or extracurricular sports. And if you had a favorite sports team from the Knicks to the New York Yankees, Models was the spot where you could outfit yourself with all the jerseys and merch you needed for the season. Models was a New York institution, a mecca for the city's athletes and fitness enthusiasts. And then the pandemic hit really, really hard. The NBA, an $8 billion industry, screeched to a stop. Even the Olympics was postponed, gyms closed. When school buildings shut down, so did their sports facilities and their 2020 seasons. A lot of athletes sat the year out. And for those that couldn't buy a Peloton or fill a home gym, keeping in shape meant adapting to what they could make work. And that didn't include a need for Models. The pandemic claimed Models as one of the many retail victims but I was more than intrigued about what led Mitch Modell to make such a desperate plea on national television. And after doing more research, I now understand just how dramatic the final days were for one of the most endeared family-owned private companies that served America for over a century. But before we understand how it fell apart, I wanna get back to how it all started. And like many family businesses, it came from pretty humble beginnings. For generations, the Modells ran the family business beginning with Morris A. Modell, a Jewish immigrant from Hungary who got to start peddling hats and gloves near the port to European travelers disembarking from ships into lower Manhattan. The business was so successful that Morris opened his first store in Cortland Street in 1889. The store flourished and multiplied with each newer generation of the model, selling all types of inventory at a discount and operating under names like Model Shopper World and White Models. Just a side note, keep in mind that this was a time when life was much simpler, and really the only forms of entertainment people had were television and sports. From around 1870 to 1920, sports watching and playing was regarded as one of the most universal pastimes in American society, making it all the more reason that Models found its space to thrive. By the mid-1950s, the stores were becoming a fixture in the Northeast, developing a reputation for sporting goods that would solidify through the late 80s. In that time, it became what we know now simply as Models, and it was emerging from mom and pop to a retail giant. I felt like I watched it happen, and many of us who lived on the East Coast would remember the catchy jingle, Gotta Go to Moe's, that came out in 1994. Mitch Modell paid $25,000 to a New Jersey-based marketer who brought him the song. Mitch took one listen and told the marketer, I don't want to see your storyboard because he was already sold on the hook. Mitch Modell took the helm as CEO in 2001 and under his leadership, they continued to expand into Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, and Washington, D.C., At its height, around 2015, the company was bringing in $765 million with about 150 stores and close to 4,000 employees. There was something really unique about Models that seemed to even stand up against the onset of e-commerce. The stores felt like a hometown sporting goods store, like an old neighborhood haunt that sprouted in a grassroots way because it was a spot that included a sense of community. It was a place where people could talk about sports, gear up for an upcoming game. And aside from supporting professional teams, the stores connected with their towns, supporting local schools, leagues, and nonprofits. Becoming part of the community certainly contributed to each store's success, and it was a fundamental way for a large enterprise such as Models to maintain connection with its customer base. But despite the growth and success of Models, the company's winning streak was about to come to an end.
0: Models is clearly a a very famous sporting goods chain on the East Coast. You know, very few retailers have been around for 130 years as they had. And so the story of Models has been one that's been in the press really. And I started to pick up on this back in 2017, which was the first time that there was some discussion about potential financial difficulties.
1: That's Mark Risky, founder and CEO of Headcount Corporation, who's an expert in the retail industry and has penned several books on the topic. Around 2017, it had become apparent that Modells was facing some struggles, and it wasn't too surprising given how the company was fighting against a few factors. Number one, like so many other companies, Models was the underdog compared to rivals like Amazon and other major online retailers that would bring forth the retail apocalypse and the retail ice age. References to all companies that were swallowed up by e-commerce and online platforms. Even in the early 2000s, Models went heavy into store expansion we covered other companies that did the same thing to their ultimate demise. In this case, Mitch Model was counting on the store's community aspects to anchor their success. In a 2017 interview on Fox Business, Mitch said that although his chain had been hurt by Amazon, he still believed his customers wanted to shop primarily in stores. There's nothing like touching and feeling the merchandise, he said, pounding a glove or swinging a bat. He was wrong. Model had too many stores with extensive overhead. Not all were profitable and the expenses became too burdensome to bear. <laughs> then there was the shift in the sporting goods industry. That seismic shift placed the power into the hands of the consumers with more differentiated niche sports options. Gone were the days of the casual athletic wear. The boutique fitness boom brought with it higher-end shoppers and choices like Lululemon, Athleta, and Fabletics. The popularity of athleisure had all the other major brands adding in athletic wear to their existing lines as well. This gave consumers the power to buy from large box retailers like Walmart and Target, buy online with Amazon, or go somewhere more boutique. Some companies found a way to compete by being creative. For instance, in 2014, Dick Sporting Goods teamed up with country singer Carrie Underwood to roll out an exclusive fitness collection, Kalaya, in its stores. It also developed stronger partnerships with big brands and rolled out shops within shops like a Nike Fieldhouse and an Under Armour All-American. Unfortunately, Models didn't adapt like this.
0: I think what was important about Dix and how it compares to Models is that Dix has evolved their services. They've opened up concept stores, smaller stores, used equipment stores. They've continued to push on store operation processes and marketing approaches, and in particular, blending the online with their brick-and-mortar experience. That's really what the market's been saying loudly to retailers even before the pandemic started. And that is, you need to serve me in lots of different ways. So I don't think it's just about the physical locations. You know, in fact, in some ways, there was sort of a folksy charm about Model stores. They were kind of cramped and, you know, not what we consider sort of an innovative store experience. But there was a certain charm to what they had, and as a smaller player with such a long history, I think that they could have potentially really leveraged that history and legacy, and they just failed to do so.
1: Models doubled down, even with declining sales, and continued to rely on its existing business model, hoping its customers would stay loyal, even with all the newer options.
0: Another challenge is that Past success can really lead to complacency, and I suspect that that was also at play in the Modell situation. That Mr. Modell and the family that operated and the senior leaders had lulled themselves into the sense of, we're a 130-year-old enterprise, we're never gonna go away. And uh, I just think that there's a cautionary tale in all this.
1: A complacency that was killing its business slowly. And so, in early 2019, Models engaged Global Investment Bank, RBC, in a Herculean attempt to sort out its financial woes.
0: At that time, they were already starting to look at potential other strategic options. And according to an article in Retail Dive, they had engaged with RBC to look at potential buyers and had some 25 potential buyers that might have considered their business at that time. But it sounds like what happened is they were able to get some interim financing and then kind of moved off, almost like, well, we have the short-term funding requirements, so it's not as dire, so let's just keep doing what we have been doing for 130 years. Ultimately, all they did was prolong the inevitable.
1: In May of 2019, Mitch Modell lent his company $6.7 million to avoid bankruptcy. But nearly a year later, he sat on Fox Business and asked for a crowdsource bailout.
0: I'd never seen anything like it to have a CEO come out and essentially pleading to the general market and to customers, past customers, to help rescue their business. The irony of this is that had Models played up their tradition and used that as a point of loyalty and leverage and further engagement with their existing clients. And to build new clients, I think they'd be in a very different place today.
1: In response, many on social media remarked negatively, saying they were turned off by his vulnerability and that the pleas appeared to smell of desperation, which put off investors, especially when all of the company's weaknesses were laid out on national TV. The allure of the beloved retailer was shattered, and the list of reasons to financially back the company dwindled. Mitch blamed the lousy performance of professional sports teams like the Knicks, the Giants, and the Jets that impacted its bottom line sales. In his words, if the teams are lousy, you can't give the goods away, which struck a chord with many critics.
0: I think what was really striking about the Models situation as things started to unfold the kinds of rationale that was being put out by Mr. Modell in terms of the challenges his enterprise was facing. You know, unseasonably warm weather, a few less shopping days in the season, the futility of New York sports franchises and the impact that was having on his business. And, you know, when you go through and you look at the rationale that was being described what you won't see is anything about his own culpability, the leadership team, the decisions they made. It was all about the outside factors that were causing his business to undergo negative conditions and so on and so forth.
1: That vulnerable appeal was just a few weeks before COVID-19 shut down public spaces and dealt a blow to businesses across the board, ultimately proving that Modell's weak business model just couldn't stand up to the crisis of the pandemic a threat many retailers continue facing even today.
0: I think it goes to show how quickly things can turn for any retailer. You can be quite successful one year, and then in the very next year, things can turn very quickly. And in part, I think that's a function of, you know, razor thin margins, which is what most retailers exist on even to this day.
1: So what are some of the takeaways from this?
0: You know, COVID wasn't a complicating factor that killed their business on top of it, because that's often cited as yet another circumstance. In fact, it could have been the opposite. Dick's Sporting Goods, major competitor, saw record revenue and sales because of the lifestyle changes that, that came as a result of pandemics. People were becoming more fit and they were looking for sporting goods and bikes and equipment and the kinds of things Modell sells. But back to the plea, First of all, it was extraordinary that he made a plea like that on social media. Number two, the kind of plea he made, if only we can get past this next sort of round of financing, if I could just make a little money, you know, get a little money coming in. But by that time, they had already started to liquidate stores. Just think about that. Why should anybody put any money into this? And what confidence would they have that there'd be a successful outcome? I don't think any. And Ultimately, that's how it turned
1: out. Really laying out the decline of Modell's sporting goods reminded me that I'd seen this part of the story somewhere before. In 2015, Mitch Modell was featured on an episode of CBS Undercover Boss, a television series in which someone from executive management at a major corporation would disguise themselves and go undercover as an entry-level employee to discover the faults in the company. In this particular episode, Mitch took on a comical approach as he shaved his head, donned a ridiculous looking mustache, glasses and a gold chain and was the understudy of a sales associate. While undercover on the sales floor, Mitch got a close up view of the company's inefficiencies, and that included inventory shortages that he speculated could prevent customers from coming back. Playing back that tape six years later, it seems like maybe those revelations were really the writing on the wall. Perhaps the strikeouts in the store were just a warm up for the major league crisis that would eventually play out across its entire empire. Special thanks to Mark Risky for his contributions to this episode and sharing his expertise in retail analytics on Models. And thank you for tuning in to this week's The Great Fail. Please make sure to visit our website at thegreatfail.com for behind the scene, audio and video footage. If you like these episodes and want us to continue bringing you more, please subscribe to our newsletter because, well, not connecting with you would be our great fail. While you're at it, simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out too. The research on each episode is extensive but none of them would be possible without the tireless efforts of researchers, writers, and reporters. They are all credited on thegreatfail.com under our show notes. Lastly, you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Great Failed Pod. And please subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes to show your support. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And remember folks, with great failure comes great liability.